Hello and welcome to JOSPT Insights, the podcast that aims to help you translate quality research to quality practice. I'm Claire Ardern, the Editor-in-Chief of the Journal of Orthopaedic and Sports Physical Therapy. It's great to have you listening today. Welcome back to JOSPT Insights. This is part two of a two-part episode. We are bringing you inside the clinic to try to really get inside the head of the treating therapist and understand their clinical decision-making. If you haven't heard the first episode, we highly recommend going back and checking it out. There's a lot of clinical value there. Dr. Cody Mansfield is going to catch us up on what has been happening so far in this plan of care before leading into a very significant third visit for this patient. To this point, with session one and two, this patient has received a left-right judgment pass. Is also received some explicit motor imagery training where we asked him to imagine for five minutes a day people or things bending that don't recreate his own low back pain. We also initiated some graded exposure, which included single knee to chest while in supine. During that session, he could not do double knee to chest because it recreated his pain. So now we're at visit three. So visit three, visit three is one I remember vividly because he had a huge breakthrough with with his laterality at this point. And he had been having issues and becoming actually really frustrated with his progression with laterality. Like he really wasn't getting anywhere with it. And something really cool happened. He was frustrated. And one night, I believe his wife did it with him. And he was just watching over her shoulder, her perform the task. And he was able to improve his laterality score. So I think when he came back, his percentages, I think, were like close to 100% accuracy at this point, at this third visit. I think before that, he was below 70%. You know, just like with learning any task, like a single leg squat, like we as PTs usually demonstrate that, right? So this was kind of cool to see that like with his wife performing it, he was able to watch her get it down. So she almost modeled the task for him so that he could execute the skill properly. So that was a really cool breakthrough at this point. And then Another thing happened during this where we started to incorporate a little bit more stress management for him. If you would have met this patient, like Cody said, he was always so relaxed during his sessions. Like you wouldn't pick him up as someone initially that might have higher stress levels. But I think that something that I caught on was, you know, just talking with him and how much was going on and how this was affecting his day-to-day life. And then also in you know in subjective exam with having been to multiple multiple providers i think at one point it was like three physical therapists two hip doctors a podiatrist multiple spinal physicians and specialists um you get all these different opinions and that can also add up and ramp up your nervous system as well and so this is a point where we decided that it would be good to start incorporating some meditation or mindfulness into his home exercise program as well. So we use an app called Headspace. You can choose anywhere from like one minute to 10 minutes. And I believe we just had him do it on his lunch break for like five minutes. And it just, it's a guided meditation for mindfulness that you can walk through at your own pace. That I think was also super helpful. And at this point, we also kind of added in some diaphragmatic breathing to help also regulate the nervous system, kind of down-regulate 
and calm things down. And then we were able to progress to double knees to chest. I believe that didn't cause any pain this session. I think we started adding in some core exercises as well at this session and and started to encourage him to move more. I think like walk 15 minutes every day. So incorporating some cardiovascular exercise as well. I just want to give Laura props because again, the demeanor of this patient, you know, totally chill and cool. I was not picking up on the underlying stress levels that were there. So it was really Laura that introduced the stress management piece to this case that I thought it was super helpful. And it was really cool to see also that the improvement in the laterality accuracy also corroborated with the reduction in the ODI score. Visit three was interesting because when you're delivering these interventions to a patient like this, from a bird's eye view, it it probably looked like we were throwing the kitchen sink at him. And there's all these interventions being being done, but, but I think we delivered them in a very systematic way. Yeah, again, he was a young guy and he wanted to work out, but at the same time, we didn't want to we didn't want to get his core muscles going again. We were trying to teach him to relax those muscles. So we talked to him about the right time to activate those muscles, and then we wanted to keep the exercise program simple. We didn't want to overcomplicate it. But when it comes to trunk stability exercises, I like I like the Stuart McGill Big Three, and I thought that that was safe enough that we could control the factors well. That's what we gave him that day. And then just as Laura said, we uh, then also progressed the great exposure piece of this case, going to double uh, knees to chest, which was nice. Now we go on to visit four. And this is, spoiler alert, his last visit. So I'm also very curious to hear what happens in session four and then how you guys decide discharge. I think at this point, we were able to progress him with him performing like the lumbar movements at this point. So he was actually able to perform the lumbar flexion, I believe, without guarding and without pain. Yeah, he was able to do a lot more without guarding. And then I think, too, just the way, I don't know, it was, it was amazing that in four visits he had this success. And he was just, the way he was talking to us was like someone who totally change from the experience. And and this is why in one of our tables, we put what he said, visit for, I can lift 100 pound slabs of maple tree. I can perform double knee to chest now. I mean, just stuff like that. It, you could tell he was seeing his back as being stronger. We gave him advice for that day, but I think we left it open-ended like, hey, we're still here as a safety net. If you need us, call us and we'll figure something out. And just to remind the audience, I mean, the, the quote from the first visit was my back will give out just walking and I will be bedridden for days. So to go from that to I can lift 100 pounds slabs of maple tree and I can perform double knees to chest now in four visits is is pretty phenomenal. Yeah, that's that's pretty incredible. So also he lives two hours away. So that does lend itself to a, a quicker <laughs> discharge. So nothing works for everybody all the time. Like he seems like he responded ideally to all of this stuff, but what patients would benefit from PNE and graded motor imagery the most? How are you deciding that? Laura and uh, Cody both laid it out pretty well. I think when things don't seem to be adding up, you know, when they've had multiple providers, you know, been told multiple things, have tried, you know, a number of different things that haven't worked and you're picking up on, well, this isn't really a true mechanistic approach to, you know, they're not lacking flexion, they're not lacking extension, they're not, like they said, safe 
you know, and, and the ability to perceive, you know, what they can do, you know, really listening to the patient in the subjective interview, which they did, you know, his beliefs on what his back was and what it could and couldn't do, you know, stripping through all of that information and just kind of peeling it back and explaining it to him in a way that, you know, he can understand like Cody did with those, those simple videos. Oftentimes we start small and not and don't do it right away. We might try to change the patient's verbiage of how they're describing their pathology. So JOSPT has that really excellent viewpoint article, uh, Sticks and Stones. And I just love that table of substituting words. And so we probably start early on with that, with some of our patients that we know we can't even touch pain science education yet, but start to kind of weave, weave in a little bit. Two last quick questions for you guys. What else would you like listeners to know or take away from this case? For these patients, you know, keep trying, keep trying to implement something to, to address the, these kind of issues. It's tough to do it by yourself. So maybe involve a colleague like, like I did with Laura. I found it super helpful for identifying some of the stressors that were going on with the patient. A program that we just started at OSU called the Prevail Program. It's really cool, actually, where the patient will be treated by a PT with more of this pain science education, motor imagery training. They'll see an OT, rehab psych, and a social worker. And so I've had a few patients where I've taken them the distance with what I with what I know of pain science education, motor imagery. They didn't get better. But by getting some other players involved outside of my discipline, we actually had even more success. So just keep trying to look for different resources to offer. I feel like I came into this this case and I was like, I have no idea what to do. And I think it, these cases can be very overwhelming. And especially as a newer clinician at the time, it was helpful to have Cody's guidance, but also now like readers and listeners have our guidance here. And I think it's helpful to have that guidance, those step-to-step approaches of like, this is what I can maybe try. You know, it might not work for everyone, but it's a starting place for me. So I think it's, I want readers to know that it can be overwhelming, but hopefully we provided you with some great tools to start out these conversations with these patients and how to treat them. We can learn from your wins and also from your losses. Like this video. I think lastly, too, you know, what, what I've really come to appreciate is what the impact as, as experts and clinicians in, in, in this field, what we say to these patients makes a big impact. And so if they've they've been to a number of different providers and they've been told they have these you know these catastrophic things like you know back that's going to be fragile or trying to just not dispel it but you know really bring it down to a, a more basic level that you know these are these are common things that happen and the, the body is resilient and, and just talking to them in a way that they don't you know hold on to these 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 notions. For those who are not familiar with the NOI group or, you know, if a patient like this walks into their clinic, they have no idea what to do and they want to prepare themselves, what kind of resources would you recommend that they start looking at? NOI, I believe, stands for uh, Neuro Orthopedic Institute, and they publish a series of books. One of their big books that's well known is called Explain Pain. Another one is called Graded Motor Imagery. There's another one written by uh, Dr. Mosley called painful yarns. That's more anecdotes about, about pain and how it, how it relates to his science, essentially. That, that's more of a casual, fun read. Those are some good resources to, to check out from that. One resource that we didn't mention in this conversation, but we mentioned in the case is uh, Dr. Lau's 
pain quiz and, and why do I hurt flashcards. That's also a nice resource because if you're struggling doing freestyle pain science education to individuals in clinic, the pain science flashcards that Dr. Lau has, it's really nice because you show them a picture, the script is on the back, can't mess it up. And it leads to some good dialogue with the patients too. For listeners, you you really should check out the case because there is a video of the patient talking about their experience and just actually hearing the patient perspective on this case is incredibly informative and, and very, very powerful. Yeah, I, w- I would just like to say, again, congratulations to the group. You know, this this type of reflection, we, we had an obligation mm-hmm. to publish this case. And I'm not sure this information would have gotten out had we not been there for it. And so we hope it was a good experience for them. We certainly benefited from it. And I, and I think everything in this piece, this article, there's a lot to dissect. And I think it can be a model piece on all levels that the authors just mentioned. So, so we felt we did our job and we hope we reflected the case really well. And I think it's really cool that the patient can also find this online and share it. So we're happy to be a part of it. And, and we won't take any credit other than trying to make it as best as we could present it. Yeah. And I just want to touch on the objective outcome changes from visit one to visit four. We, we talked a lot about the qualitative changes, but if you look at the ODI, it dropped from a 42 to a 14, which is a massive, massive change, especially after just four visits. If you look at their laterality ac- accuracy percentages, they went from about 60 to 68 in, in, the, in the first visit. That's what the left side was 60, right side was 68, to left side being 96 and right side being 100. If you look at the FABQ in the physical activity realm, it dropped from a 20 to a 12. And the FABQ, as far as the work subset, dropped from a 16 to a nine. So, so these are all massive changes. In a context that was very challenging, this patient lived two hours away. They only had four visits. They were presenting with what is notoriously a challenging presentation to treat, which is chronic pain. And so I just wanted to highlight that and congratulate each and every one of you for what was obviously amazing care under quite challenging circumstances. And thank you so much for sharing all of your time, knowledge, and expertise with us here. Thanks for having us. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. I encourage everyone who's listening to go over and check out JOSPT cases. We do have the link in the show notes. Read this case. Check out the patient video as well. The resources in this case are absolutely excellent. And if you have experiences that you want to share, make sure to contact JOSPT cases and write up a case report of your own and submit it to JOSPT cases because it is an excellent vehicle for getting this type of information out there. So this has been the first episode of our clinical case series with JOSPT cases. We hope you enjoyed this. We hope you got value out of this. If you have, please make sure to reach out and let us know. We want to thank once again all of the authors for coming on the show and sharing their time, knowledge, and expertise with us and with you. And as always, we want to thank you for listening to JOSPT Insights, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of JOSPT Insights. For more discussion of the issues in musculoskeletal rehabilitation that are relevant to your practice, subscribe to JOSPT Insights on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google, or your favourite podcast app. If you like JOSPT Insights, help others find us. Tell your friends and colleagues and rate and review us. To keep up to date with all the latest JOSPT content, be sure to follow us on Twitter, we're at JOSPT, and Facebook, where JOSPT official. Talk with you next time.